Welcome back to Current with Valerie Hayes on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we're spending some time talking about the high costs of health care, what you can do to reduce your costs of health care coverage, and whether or not Obamacare or the um, Affordable Health Care Act is working. Before the break, I was telling you about the two goals of Obamacare or the Affordable Health Care Act, and um, we talked about what those goals were and what aspects of Obamacare were put in place to try to achieve those goals. Now we're we're going to talk about whether or not those goals are working, what aspects of Obamacare seem to be achieving the goals that you know were stated, and what aspects of Obamacare seem to not be working or not having the impact that um, was originally planned. So remember that our two goals were, number one, to increase access to affordable quality health care insurance, and number two, to reduce the growth of health care spending. So success and the ability to achieve the goals of Obamacare is uh, primarily based on increasing number of people enrolling in private health care insurance company plans or enrolling in state exchanges, these plans that are kind of able to for you to purchase as an individual through um, a government website that's run by your state. Uh, Obamacare has actually reduced the number of uninsured Americans, but it hasn't gone as far as it originally hoped to. Prior to Obamacare, about 16% of Americans were uninsured, and since Obamacare, that has now dropped to about 9%. And again, these 9% of individuals that are now covered are covered through a common of subsidized private insurance, Medicaid expansion aimed at low-income adults, as well as um, programs available to employers. What do I mean by private subsidized private insurance? Subsidized private insurance is um, insurance that you would purchase through a private insurance company, just like somebody else who's working at a big company, but it's subsidized by the government. Your premium is subsidized by the government because you are at or below a certain income level that we define as unable to purchase health care insurance because it's too expensive for your personal or family budget. So the government subsidizes or pays for part of your health care insurance premium. What does that mean, subsidize or pay for? That means that taxes that other individuals pay into the federal government, some of those taxes are being used to subsidize private health care insurance for individuals who are at or below that income level. Um, so although uh, the percentage of uninsured Americans has dropped from 16% to 9%, one of the concerns that many Americans express is, sure, the, and the reason why it's dropped is because I'm paying to have health care insurance um, through my employer, I'm paying my health care premiums, or I'm purchasing my insurance through a state exchange. But in addition to paying my insurance, I'm also paying or subsidizing part of my neighbor's insurance through the taxes that I pay to the federal government, which the federal government then turns around and uses to help pay um, the the care for that quality and uh, that individual who is at or below that income level. Why are we subsidizing health care insurance premiums? Why is Obamacare doing that? Because remember, they believe that in order to drop insurance costs and to stop the rising insurance costs, that the most important factor is to make sure that everyone has insurance so that they stop going into the hospital or the urgent care clinic, which is required to treat you, even if you don't have insurance. 
parents. So they feel like it's a lesser of two evils thing. They feel like if they use part of your and my taxpayer dollars to help pay someone else's health care insurance premium, that that is a better choice to help reduce health care costs than it is to, you know, use those tax dollars in some other part of federal government and um, for those individuals to remain without health care insurance and then they continue driving up health care costs by going to receive coverage um, when they can't afford it. Whether or not that's actually a valid theory, I don't think Obamacare has been in place long enough to let that play out, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. So, um, Obamacare has reduced the number of people insured. It was 16%, now it's 9%. Um, the, they are about 5% short of their original goal. Um, so, you know, I think that even the Obama administration would agree that people are not enrolling at a rate that they had originally hoped for. Um, there are many people who who choose to pay the penalty. As you recall, part of Obamacare stipulates that if you as an individual choose not to purchase insurance coverage, then each year when you file your taxes, you have to pay a fine. Now, one of the problems with that fine was that it's oftentimes the fine is less than what it would cost you to actually pay for coverage. In the first year of Obamacare, the fine was $395. Well, if you think about it, there's no way you could possibly buy health insurance through either a state exchange or your employer for just $395 for the year. So that for that first year, a lot of people chose to purchase the fine instead of purchasing insurance. And remember, only if they purchase insurance does it help to achieve the goal of more people with insurance um, and thus hopefully reducing health care costs. Um, this year, the fine is $695 if you don't purchase insurance to cover yourself. Many people, um, and, and it's true, uh, most insurance programs, even the low-cost programs that you purchase through a state exchange, are going to be at least $100 a month a more per person, right? So if it's one person, 100 If it's two, 200 right? It's going to be a minimum of $100 a month. If the fine is $695 and it costs you $100 a month times 12 months, that's $1,200. So unfortunately, because of the structure of the penalty, many people are concerned that this year and next year, it will still be less expensive to pay the penalty than it would to actually be purchased insurance. So the, the confusion, uh, the confusing state exchange websites, these websites where you sign up and they don't really work and you get conflicting information and you don't get quotes, um, that seems to be, uh, according to the experts, part of the problem why people aren't signing up for Obamacare. And the other part of the problem seems to be that in many cases it's cheaper to purchase, to pay the fine than it is to actually sign up. So then we come to the question of whether or not, um, this increased people participating in healthcare insurance plans is actually stopping the growth or reducing the growth of, um, healthcare costs. Unfortunately, we haven't seen that to date. In 2015, healthcare costs grew at about 5.4% per year, which is actually higher than 2014, where healthcare costs grew at 2 So we're not yet seeing um, uh, a stop in the growth of healthcare insurance. It's actually, you know, about uh, almost 80% higher than the previous year. So I think that there are a lot of things that are working about the Affordable Health Care Act, and there are a lot of things that don't seem to be 
working. And um, the original goal for enrollment by the end of 2016 was 20 million. So that was their original goal to have people, 20 million people signed up in two years, um, for Obamacare. The administration recently adjusted that goal down to 11 million. So the goal for 2016, originally 20 million, now 11 million. So you can see that we're down, um, really almost 50%. We're down to 11 million. Um, for those people who don't enroll, they are citing concerns about the cost of premiums, like I mentioned. Um, some of them feel that they don't even have $100 a month, even though their premium is sponsored. And um, they also are concerned about the complexity of the websites. What's interesting to note is that 64, 6.4 million of the people who signed up for Obamacare are receiving government subsidies to help them pay their premiums. So there does appear that there was a large percentage of the population that wanted health care insurance but couldn't afford it or weren't signing up for some reason, um, you know, about 6.4 million people. But another one of the concerns with that is that um, of those people who have signed up, so of the 11 million that we hope to have signed up by the end of 2016, 6.4 million of those, so over 50%, are receiving government subsidies to help them pay their premiums. And in some state, it's as high as 94% of the people who signed up are receiving subsidies. For example, in Florida, Mississippi, and North Carolina, 94% of the people who signed up for Obamacare are receiving subsidies. And this year, 2016, Premiums are planned to increase in all the states, and the increases, depending on where you live, range from 14% to 49%, which is a big hit for people to their family budget, especially when you factor in the fact that um, the economy isn't growing, job growth, job growth is very, very slow. So where do we go from here? Well, Growth in premiums, so the increase in premiums, has been directly tracked to underlying medical costs, such as the fact that hospitals and doctors practice defensive medicine, such as the fact that there's a lack of transparency on pricing and quality of service. For example, if you want to buy a car, there's tons of websites that tell you uh, what a great price for that car is, and you know what is the what is the quality evaluation of that car, how much does it cost to maintain that car car, um, how happy have purchasers been with that car over time, but there's no such websites that tell you um, how much... Um how much uh, the delivery, uh, the, uh, a normal delivery of a baby is, or the delivery of, via C-section of a child is, how much should that cost, um, so that you can really evaluate um, what are the price and quality options at Hospital A versus Hospital B. And many people um, argue that if that information were provided to consumers, that they could make better choices and understand that maybe this Hospital A is charging, you know, $5,000 for a cesarean section delivery versus Hospital B, and that they would go to Hospital B, and that by shopping around for services based on available information, you know, how much a procedure costs and whether or not that procedure is a quality procedure at that hospital or service provider, that that would actually help um, reduce the cost if consumers had access to that information. The problem is that information isn't available anywhere. Hospitals don't provide that information, so consumers can't kind of shop around to make sure that they're getting a, a great price. There's also concern about the high cost of new prescription drugs and new medical technologies. It certainly takes a lot of money to develop new prescription drugs and new technologies, and um, so drug 
companies want to make sure that they are getting sort of reimbursed for the investment they make to make to bring a new prescription drug or medical technology to you know available to patients and consumers but again like the insurance companies were jacking up prices just because they could i think there's a general concern that prescription drug companies and medical technology companies are really taking advantage when they have a, a great new drug that's available on the market or a great new technology that is a brand new therapy that patients can take advantage of you know usually they have patented it to make sure that they're the only one with that um, new drug or new technology and when it's patented that means nobody else can have it and offer it or sell it. And when that happens, they tend to raise prices and it tends to be the patient who's really paying out of pocket. So there's a lot of things going on with the concept of Obamacare. I encourage you to continue watching the news and really ask questions and refer back to those two goals. Is um, what they're talking about in the news increasing access to quality health care insurance and is uh, what they're talking about also reducing the growth of health care spending? Well, that's it for today's episode. I really appreciate your being here and love talking to you about these complicated topics. Remember, if you have a a topic you want me to cover, just shoot me an email or check my Facebook page, and we might include your topic on a future episode because we want to make sure you get all the information you need to feel informed because in the end, it's okay to have your own opinion as long as it's an informed opinion. Are you a first-time contestant who wants to make sure you're ready to answer any question? Or are you an experienced contestant who's frustrated because your interview score does not reflect your true title holder potential? Well, I'm here to share with you the biggest secret about what's holding you back from getting a top interview score. It's that most contestants don't know how to practice their interview skills correctly, so they struggle through marathon practice sessions, participate in mock interviews that actually increase frustration and decrease skills, or they just completely give up and wing it. But I've developed a full proof system for you to use that will teach you how to practice your interview so you can deliver great answers with poise and confidence in both the interview room and on stage. This is going to be the best money you've ever spent on preparing for your pageant competition. So visit my website at ValerieHayes.com and click on the interview questions tab and get started towards your winning interview score today. Top contestants around the country have discovered the secret for creating a winning look. It's the Royal Wee Boutique. Former international pageant title holder Lane Berry will create a personalized, iconic competition look that establishes you as an elite contestant but doesn't drain your pocketbook. Lane has dressed evening gown winners in state, local, and national competitions of all the major pageant systems. Whether you visit in person or take advantage of their premier long-distance styling services, Lane will guide you through the steps of expressing yourself with a cohesive image that wows the judges. Visit them today at royal-we.com. You're going to look fabulous. Do you feel totally confused about how to create a winning platform? Are you unsure about which topic to pick, how to make it marketable, and how to get appearances with your platform? My do-it-yourself coaching resource, Perfect Pageant Platform, teaches you everything you need to do to create a winning platform. I'll walk you through the steps it takes to develop a platform that impresses the judges every time. So visit my website today at ValerieHayes.com and click on the Pageant Platform tab to get started on your winning platform. 
Get a headshot that establishes you as a serious contender for the crown. Studio D Imaging does more than just snap a photo. They actually help you create your iconic look by understanding the preferred look of your pageant and helping you to express your photogenic potential. They've created winning looks for contestants competing in all the major pageant systems, and they'll create a winning look for you, too. Just visit them on Facebook by searching for Studio D Imaging or visit their website at StudioDImaging.com. Contact them today and let Studio D Imaging create your perfect headshot.